Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I've received a major disaster declaration for nine counties but we do expect more. I just spoke with the president this morning. Uh, he offered support. I told him the thanks for this, but because the storm has moved uh, inland and caused uh, a lot of potential damage in the center part of our state, that we were going to be asking for those counties to be expanded and included there. But for now, we have approval for Charlotte, Collier, DeSoto, Hardy, Hillsborough, Lee, Manatee, Pinellas, and Sarasota. That will allow individual Floridians to seek individual assistance uh, from FEMA. And, and that will be something that, as you have people that have been displaced due to the catastrophic impacts of Hurricane Ian, you know, that's going to be something that's going to be necessary. So that's Governor Ron DeSantis giving the update on this storm, which has now moved its way through. There are still storm bands in or- Orlando. And really, we're seeing this thing um, into the northern part off the coast of St. Augustine and actually to the west of St. Augustine. So you're dealing just below Jacksonville area. We're seeing this, but it's eventually going to move itself over uh, to uh, the Atlantic. It's going to pick up steam and then it's going to hit parts of Georgia and South Carolina and move its way into the western part of of North Carolina. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you guys. 833 got Tony. That's the number. 833-468-8669-833 got Tony. That's how you get to be a part of uh, the, the program. Uh I uh I I I cover this story because we're now into the incredible damage part of what's going on here. I I didn't spend all day yesterday, the past couple of days, uh, discussing this in, you know, in, in, in every single way. It's it's uh, important uh, to discuss what's happening, but there are a lot of other stories going on out there. There are a tremendous number of stories going on out there. I, I will give you two. I'll give you two that I think matter greatly. First, the idea that Janet Yellen might be on her way out of the Biden cabinet. She's the Treasury Secretary. And could you blame anybody? I mean, take a look at the numbers from today. I know people are going to say, hey, hurricane, hurricane, hurricane. The Dow uh, down 400 at one point. I think one point it was down close to 500 because you take a look at where this economy is and you see that GDP is down 0.6%. It shrank another 0.6%. It's a recession, kids. It is what it is, and it doesn't matter what it is the Biden administration or how they try to lie and change definitions. Uh, Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, will be with us in a little bit uh, to break this down further. Janet Yellen is the Treasury Secretary, and she was the one just... um, was it just a couple months ago? Just two months ago? Was she the one telling us that um, uh, balance sheets were, were, were strong? She was the one telling us that household balance sheets were strong. 
telling us uh, that uh, we, uh, you know, common definition of of inflation, or, or I'm sorry, of recession. The common definition of of recession is uh, two negative quarters of growth. GDP will be closely watched. Um, a, a common definition of recession is two negative quarters of GDP growth, or at least that's something that's been true in past recessions. When we've seen that, mm-hmm. there has usually been a recession. And many economists uh, expect second quarter GDP to be negative. First quarter GDP was negative. So why is it a recession? Why is it that that your people want to tell us that this is not a recession? Well, um, look, the economy is slowing down. It last year it grew very rapidly at about five and a half percent, and that succeeded in putting people back to work who had lost their jobs during the pandemic. The labor market is now extremely strong. That was her in July. In July, talking about a strong labor market, uh, saying that that things are, are moving back. And that's necessary and appropriate. And um, it, we need to be growing at a steady and sustainable pace. So there is a slowdown and businesses can see that. And that's appropriate given that people now have jobs and we have a strong labor market but you don't see any of the signs now a a a recession is a broad-based contraction that affects many sectors of the economy we just don't have that consumer spending remains solid um it's continuing to grow um output industrial output grown in uh, five of the six uh, most recent months. Um, Credit quality remains very strong. Household balance sheets are generally in good shape. That was the end of July. Which is good because July rhymes with lie, which is exactly what that was. Now, almost, uh, yeah, two months later. Two months later, Washington Examiner is reporting that they're taking a look at the Treasury Secretary for a possible midterm shakeup. You lose the midterms. Someone needs to be the scapegoat. It's going to be an economic election. Bye, Janet Yellen. Bye-bye. See you later. Oh, I'm going to get into a whole thing uh, about polling in, in, in a little bit. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. Um the, the, the midterms, uh, anything is possible. I still argue that that commentary from, of all people, Senator Chuck Schumer is accurate. Uh, the Republicans will win the House. Democrats have a 60% chance of holding the Senate. I think, that's, I think that is right. I think that uh, as an observer, I think we can kind of break that down and see like, all right, that's, that is accurate. I think the polling is saying some very interesting things to the extent that we believe any of the polling. But what we don't believe is, of course, this White House. And I am going to break down the insanity of White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre being totally dishonest about what Joe Biden said when he was calling for a dead woman to stand up, basically. 
when Joe Biden yesterday was uh, there at this uh, event for um for for hunger. It was this hunger event, and uh, he's like uh, Jackie Walorski. Jackie Walorski, where are you? Jackie Walorski, Congresswoman Indiana, passed away in a car accident. Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this a reality. She was clearly part of some group working on hunger, nutrition, and health. She died in a car accident with two of her staffers. Their car hit another car. That woman also passed away. Horrible, horrible story. Awful. And there's Joe Biden asking for her. And wait till you hear how the White House press secretary tries to spin this. It's beyond madness. And, of course, The View wants to defend Corinne Jean-Pierre because liars are going to defend liars. Man, Tony, you spent a lot of time talking about people lying this morning. Well, I'm pretty disgusted. I'm pre- Why, should, I, should I talk about uh, other things? Okay. All right. Uh, let, let's talk about the, 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 the bright side of, of the Biden White House, which is, of course, uh, Kamala Harris. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. (laughs) The United States has an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. Okay. All right. Um, when can we start noticing that these people aren't good at what they do? Alliance with the Republic of North Korea. That's, it didn't sound weird coming out of your mouth. You're reading off of a, of a piece of paper. You couldn't figure out how to do that. You see, if you say to me, yeah, it's just a gaffe, no. It's not just a gaffe. Let's do this again. It is not just a gaffe. Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was was going to be here to help make this a reality. It's not just a gaffe. But in the case of of, uh, Kamala Harris, This is what adds on to the Democrats' problems looking past the midterms, which I will do just for the sake of this conversation, into 2024. I come across data sometimes, and I'm like, there's no possible way that this is real. or There's just no way. Like, for example, the idea that somehow Democrats really want Joe Biden to run for president. I'm to believe that there is some society, some group of people that really wants Joe Biden to be president, to run again. That, that, no, 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 I don't believe it. I don't buy it. There's absolutely no way I would buy such a philosophy. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. 
Well, maybe they do want Joe Biden because comparatively, he actually seems like a brain surgeon. Thus, we go back to how we started. This is why Janet Yellen could very well be shown the door. Because this is an administration of incompetence. You'll note, I did not have to make anything up. I didn't have to change any conversations. I didn't have to manipulate anything. All I had to do was share their words. That's all it took. These are incompetent people. And somebody needs to be the fall guy for the incompetence. It'll be Janet Yellen first. She'll be the first domino. I assume there will be other ones. More to get to. Keep it right here, guys. I'm Tony Katz. Trouble finds me. Does anybody know what deleveling is? I was trying to follow this story about a, a threat in an email a, a teacher sent to a student who was opposed to deleveling. I'm like, what? In... Every day there's a new thing. What in the world is deleveling? And what you learn is that, oh, this is all part of the the woke world. Leveling is a process. It's called a process. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Leveling is the process of tracking a student's academic proce- uh, a progress. Whether it's teacher evaluation, grades, whatever the case may, may be. And then uh, depending on... You know, some kids are good at math and some kids are good at science and some kids are good at this and that. You you move them into places where they can be more challenged in the topic. Deleveling is exactly the opposite of that. Don't place students in classrooms based on their abilities because it makes other students feel bad because it, it it somehow is engaged in some kind of bigotry, you have to de-level the classroom. And it sounds very strange, de-level. Because it sounds like they're actually trying to level it out. Because it already is de-leveled, because some kids are good at math, some kids are good at science, it's that and the other, etc. But no, they call it de-leveling. Because why should you allow a child to get ahead of the rest of the group? That's not fair. And there was a story, Fox News had the, 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 the story, where this teacher was upset with a student who was opposed to this deleveling and sent an email threatening the student, literally, watch your back. I do take offense to you invading my classroom space. Your passion is noted, but your methods verge on the criminal. Hope you have a good weekend and watch your back. Yeah. That's a teacher who you need to take out of the classroom. That's a teacher who needs to be dealt with. I am constantly amazed by people who who don't understand that teachers are not in charge. 
Now, teachers actually need to be in charge of their classroom. When we're talking about teaching, no child is allowed to be a disruption to the education and teachers have to be able to have control of a classroom. This, this is a teacher needs to be thrown out on their butt. What, what's the problem? Teacher's not special. The teacher's like, you're a captive audience and you'll do whatever I tell you. Now, you could normally say that's true within the conversation of, of the education. But you'll do whatever I tell you and watch your back? Well, I think we may have gone over the line a bit, don't you think? I would only hope that you would think. Parents should be saying, well, we don't want this deleveling. We want kids who are good at math to be able to excel. And we want to be able to have a school system that can help them along in their excelling. Good. All right, my kid's not that great at math. That's all right. Great at other things. Good at other things. We'll find their way. What's the matter? A 12-year-old is good at math, so your 12-year-old is like, well, I guess my life is over. Not Your life's not over. Get a little strength. Let's show you how you, we can work through this. How it's okay. You don't have to think that you somehow lost out because somebody else is good at math. You should be like, hey, good on you. Hey, I got a question about the math. Can you help me with it? They're your friends. They shouldn't be allowed to have the opportunity to excel and grow and learn at their pace. Of course they should. Of course they should. Should the really good quarterback not be able to play varsity because they're only a sophomore? What nonsense. And we can help our kids through these things and realize it's not a reflection on me, it's a reflection on them. Good on them. Math, not my thing. I do, I do okay. Be okay with that. It's fine. That's not a problem. It's not the end of the world. You, you want to excel at math? Well, how much work are you willing to put into the math to be able to excel? Go get them. Try. All about it. Oh, we can't have anybody better than anybody else because it makes them feel bad. There's nothing wrong with feeling bad. Then you figure out how to work with your feelings, how to control your feelings, and then how to make them work for you. It's a skill set. It's a skill set that is so necessary and is so lost. That's why I think the story is important because parents need to teach their kids how to handle their emotions. Somebody else doing well or not doing well is not about you. That's about them. You're about you. And you gotta you gotta be focused on that. You gotta build that. And you gotta be okay with that. Keep it here. We're gonna talk about this economy. This is Tony Katz today. So it's another day of just unbelievably bad numbers. Out of Wall Street, out of the markets, out of this economy. While jobless claims are hitting lows, well, you could consider that a, a good thing, but you still have people who can't find qualified employees. You still have people who can't build their business uh, the way uh, that, that they want to, the way that they desire to. So how much are you supposed to take from the idea that, oh, look, you got, you got, you got the, 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 the labor problems all solved. You don't have it solved because you have the U.S. economy going down in the second quarter, shrinking 0.6%. But still people out there saying, well, it's not technically a recession in every way. 
It's a recession. Good uh, to be with you. Oh, gosh. Let me stop that right there. Tony Katz. Tony Katz. Today, Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist, University of Indianapolis. You're the person I go to when I see uh, these things happen. The U.S. economy shrinking for the second consecutive quarter. The three months ending June. This is the final estimate from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Down 0.6%. The GDP at 1.6%, which is the worst performance since the spring of 2020, uh, when we're, of course, coinciding with COVID, what do these numbers tell you? Tony, these numbers tell me it's worse than we thought because the headline is negative 0.6, and the White House is saying we're not in a recession. But just look at below the surface, Tony, private goods economy. That's not the government. That's the private economy shrunk 10.4%. That's double digits, Tony. You and I, we talk about this before. We're not fans of Keynesian economics, but guess what? They give us the GDP equations. We use what they give us. By their equation, the private economy shrunk 10%. That's disastrous. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Let me interrupt you real quick. Give me a definition of private economy. Private goods. Goods that you and I go to buy at the grocery store, at the mall. Um, Remember, GDP is a component of consumer spending, and government spending. Those are the two big components. So the private component part, Tony, the things that really produce value, this isn't, we aren't in a socialist country yet. The private part of the economy shrunk 10.4%. That's scary. So we, you look at these numbers and you take a look at this GDP. 1.6% growth. We would argue that that is anemic growth in any situation, correct? Yes, but it didn't. We're talking 1.6 decline first quarter, 0.6 decline second quarter. I don't know where the growth is coming from, but it doesn't exist in my data that I'm looking at from the government. Then we have something that you pointed out to me in a text that mortgage rates are now at 6.7%. That's the average 30-year fixed. That, Tony, that's the highest since 2007. But let me point something out. When President Biden put his hand on the Bible and he swore his oath, the mortgage rate was at 2.7%. It's now at 6.7. Everybody should out there. Six minus two is four. I, know I don't know if they teach math anymore in schools. That's a 4% increase since he took office. That is hampering the economy. That's slowing down purchases. You know, there's a good part in the GDP data, Tony. You know what the good part is? It says rents are up. Rental income is up. Well, Tony, that means people can't afford to buy a home. So we're celebrating that people can't buy a home because rates are too high. That's contributing to GDP growth. Oh, Tony, this is insane. So, so I want to make sure I'm, I'm covering all the pieces. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will on Twitter is where you, you can find him. I have this negative growth in the GDP. I have the increase in interest rates on, on mortgages. I had for a while there, and I think I may still have at last check, the two-year treasury being uh, paying out more in terms of interest than the 10-year treasury. And I had just saw a massive drop in the 10-year treasury uh, just yesterday. That is where you get this idea of inverted yield curve and the concept that we are in recession. So everything that 
we're now discussing these markers, these clear data points that we're seeing. Now that gets contrasted by the federal government, whether it be Janet Yellen, who is the Secretary of Treasury, whether it be President President Biden himself or others, telling me how strong this economy is. How do they get a strong economy out of these out of these figures? Tony, these aren't your droids. Please don't look here. The, the, the media apparently is the stormtroopers who are listening to Obi-Wan tell them these aren't your droids. The data that they give us, defined by FDR back in way back when he gave us the Keynesian GDP formula, the Democrats created it. They give us a definition. We've been teaching it in the schools. Now they say, don't look at the definition. In fact, we're not even going to give you a new definition, Tony. The White House has said, you just wait. We will tell you if there's a recession. Tony, that's like the Chinese government who don't let us audit any of their companies. They just say, trust us. They're all doing great. So that's where we've become. We've gone from, we're not going to use a formula you gave us to just trust us. We'll tell you blindly when there's a recession. Do people buy this? Are people buying this? Well, the answer is it's getting sold. I don't know if it's actually getting purchased. That's that's the the, the real story. I don't know if people are, are buying it. But I will share with you that we've seen some weird contraindicators. I'm going to call them that. Maybe there's another term for it. And, and I'll give you an example. Uh, Nation's Restaurant News says that the purchasing in, in restaurants is up. Even though yes. the the amount of of uh, cost increase, the cost increase in restaurants across the board is eight percent. That's how much menu prices ha- have have gone up. We see that oil prices are slowly creeping back up, or gas prices, I should say, are slowly creeping back up. The Midwest having its own issues with the refinery, but AAA is saying that we might see five dollar gas again. Yet we're told consumer confidence has increased because gas prices have gone down. So. There's a question as to whether or not this is actually connecting with Americans and selling them in a positive way that they see the horror, they experience the horror, but somehow they've bought into the idea of everything super groovy over here. Well, but Tony, okay, let, let me be clear. Let me. There's good and there's bad in the economy. The bad right now through the government report that we're talking about, bad construction decreased, non-durable goods, that's the stuff you go to the grocery store and buy, uh, decreased. Chemicals, that's the stuff and everything that you buy, decrease. But there's good, Tony. This is what you're talking about. Healthcare spending is up. I don't know, is that a good thing? Social work spending is up. Is that a good thing? Rental income is up. Is, is that a good thing because people can't afford to buy a house? Food services are up. Like you just mentioned, restaurant revenue is up. But why, Tony? Because the lockdowns are over? Are, are they up for a good reason? Or are they up because we just tell you you're not locked in your house anymore? Is it good that people are so sick they have to go to the hospital and so healthcare spending is up? The things that are good, in my mind, Tony, they don't feel good. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist with the University of Indianapolis. I wanted to see if I had still, and I can't find it. This was Joe Biden yesterday as he's talking about the hurricane and of course we've been on top of the subject hurricane ian and the flooding and the real devastation and we're hearing of course and we'll have we'll have a better understanding of this tomorrow uh death count uh, according to some sheriffs in the hundreds from this hurricane and there's joe biden threatening oil and gas companies 
not to raise uh, their prices, warning about price gouging. Don't you do this and don't you do that and don't you do uh, the 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 other. This is a, a weird. Uh, to me, a very strange thing to see from uh, a, a, a president when this has not been the conversation. All of the previous conversations to the hurricane were we expected to have very little effect on gas prices uh, in the rest of the country. Although with the storm going across Florida and heading up the East Coast, that could change. Does threatening the oil and gas industry move the oil and gas industry? I think threats move it less than the hurricane that's going through, that went through the Gulf, Tony. And we don't have the time to get into it. But the problem with this has to do with government regulation and banning of construction of new refineries, that we switch from a batch to an oil flow system. It's absurd that he's making threats as if he can control the, as if they can control the hurricanes. They, They can't control that, Tony. They can't control refineries breaking down. That's the absurdity of him saying that. That's kind of like saying, you know, the best way to prepare for the hurricane is to get a vaccine. I mean, it's a similar silly statement. Uh, which is something that that he said. Uh, before I, I let you go, I know we, we brought up mortgages at 6.7%, which I have to assume is going to create a real uh, serious issue in, in in the housing industry in terms of not only uh, the, the existing home sales, but new home sales. I have never spoken to you about ESG, environmental so environment social uh, governance. This mm-hmm. this idea that uh, you have government dictating to uh, large scale investors these are the things that matter. Don't you agree that these are things that matter? And then the investor says, "Oh yes, these are the things that matter." And then they pressure companies to engage the things that matter. Or, well, we'll just replace some of the members of your board. We'll take seats on your board. We'll take over your company. We won't invest in you. And so there is this this weird pressure dynamic that takes place, very akin to the Chinese and their social credit score, and they call it ESG, and there has been a lot of backlash. Even uh, CNBC reporting on this today, there's an ESG backlash inside the executive ranks at top corporations. The question for you, sir, uh, not getting into the politics of it, but getting maybe unless you want to, but really the economics uh, of it, have you seen that these types of maneuvers, which are clearly a maneuvers of, of a political nature, not an economic nature, um, have you seen them cause negative effect in markets, in companies, or as you see it, in the economy going forward? Yes, Tony. And I can tell you the, the cause is personal because I know people in the executive ranks who sit around and are nervous about their ESG scores because they don't want to get canceled from a corporate standpoint. And so they make bad economic decisions. The economic decision, it's very simple, Tony. Every decision a company makes needs to grow the economic pie. We have more people coming into the country. We have a growing population base. We have a higher standard of living. We want a higher standard of living. We need the economic pie to grow, and ESG shrinks the economic pie, and executives have to make decisions often that do not grow the economy. They make decisions that shrink the economy to to please the ESG crowd. And Tony, ESG in concept is great, but in practice it's terrible because for me or you or someone else, one person may think you're pro-life, and their other person may be pro-abortion, and if a company has a policy one way or the other, is one wrong? Is one, you know, everybody thinks it's a moral issue, Tony. So a company has to read the mind of people and know 
Well, I recycle, but do I recycle enough? Tesla has a low ESG rating, Tony. Tesla, the electric car company of the world, has a low ESG rating. How in the world is that reasonable? Because we're not talking about right or wrong. We're talking about approved or not. That's that's the issue. The issue here is that are you an approved company based on those of one specific ideological thought or are you not approved and therefore you have to be shunned, attacked, ruined, etc.? Because it very much seems that if you don't have the right score ruining you is what it is. It's, it's all about regardless of what it does to the economy. Yes, and that's what happened to, to, to Elon Musk, who has the most socially responsible company on the planet, yet he was canceled through his ESG score because someone didn't like the fact that he wanted to take over Twitter and create free speech. How dare you have free speech? That's anti-ESG. It must be controlled speech by the ESG crowd. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Dr. Matt Will, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L, that's with a D-R, on Twitter. That's where you can find him. We've got more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. It is hard to imagine that there are Americans in Russia. But there are Americans still in Russia. And they're getting warned, get out of Russia. Because if you don't, you might actually find yourself being part of the Russian military. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything. TonyKatz.locals.com. TonyKatz.locals.com. You know that Vladimir Putin is engaging in 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 the conscription, right? He, oh, everybody's going to be in the military now. We've got 25 million uh, um, well, Russians. we got 25 million Russians we can bring into this thing. We are good to go, my people. Good to go. And we, we've got plenty of people ready to fight against those evil Ukrainian Nazis. I don't know. Everyone's calling everybody a Nazi. That's what Putin's saying. They're not Nazis. I don't think they're 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 the best people. I don't think it's the best government. I don't know if I necessarily want to look up to them, but I don't think they should be invaded or destroyed. I'm, I'm not in favor of that either. Putin has no real army. This army doesn't have strength. It should. It should have all the strength in the world, but it doesn't. It doesn't have the strength. These are weak-minded kids a not professional military that proved itself to be incompetent when it couldn't take the whole country in five days, and now it's been months. But they are able to throw bodies at the problem, and that certainly does help you engage uh, uh, on, on a war footing and, and engage some level of victory. But in the month of September, they've been losing left and right, losing thousands of acres that they had captured. So now the Russians said, we've got 25 million uh, uh, soldiers who, who we can uh, tap into. We're going to take 300,000 right off the bat. When this got announced, you know what the biggest search term was on on social media or or in search engines? How to break your own arm. Russians are trying to get out of Russia any way they can. They don't want to be a part of this hellscape. They don't want to be part of this crazy. They know it's crazy. They know that it sucks. They're trying to get out. And there's literal advice of don't don't try and fly. Try a car journey. Go overland routes to get out. 
Now, why this is about American citizens, which is kind of stunning there's still American citizens there, there's some people who have dual citizenship. And what they're finding out is, is that Russia isn't interested in believing in your dual citizenship. You don't get to go back to the United States. You're a Russian. You now fight. You, 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 you fight for Mother Russia. I'm assuming that's how they say it right there. You fight for Mother Russia. That's the plan. What do you think conscription is? It's force. We are going to force you into this. We are going to put a gun to your head. This is what you do now. That's how dangerous it is. That there are Russians still in, in, in I mean, there's still Americans still in Russia who aren't named Brittany Griner. Blows my mind. Absolutely, positively blows my mind. But the situation is absolutely fraught, people. This is a real problem. This is dangerous and perilous for a lot of people. By the way, we just gave Ukraine another billion dollars. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to drive some people nuts, too. I'm in favor of defeating uh, Vladimir Putin via Ukraine. I'm just, it's a lot of money. I'm with you. More to get to. Keep it right here, guys. This is Tony Katz today.